You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, America. This is Jeff Lucas. I'm uh, your host of the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, I'm a land surveyor and attorney at law. We'll spend the next hour talking about uh, land surveying and land surveyors. As always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to Jeff at AmericasWebRadio.com. You can find out more about me on my personal website, www.LucasAndCompany.com. Okay, um, this is, by my account, my 35th show, and we've been spending um, a lot of time talking about uh, surveyors, land surveying, land surveying gone wrong, surveyor uh, problems with surveyors and surveys. Uh, So I thought what we would do uh, until we get another guest on is uh, sort of pivot a little bit and uh, talk about some, um, well, we'll just talk, I'm looking at my program, Better Business Practices and the Law. So we're going to turn uh, turn a little bit uh, and talk about some uh, better practices uh, that can be um, instituted by land surveyors, the land surveying profession, that would certainly help with some of these problems we've been talking about. I, I, I hate to just talk about problems all the time. So we're going to, uh, like I said, we're going to pivot on the in the sh- on this show and start talking about uh, some solutions to the problems. Uh, as we move forward, so uh, that's where we're uh, that's where we're going today. And I'm going to use my um, better business practices in the law uh, presentation slideshow just to kind of help me uh, move along here with the discussion. Uh, we we have a case or two that we may uh, get to uh, as we go through this, and maybe we finish this. Uh, this week. Maybe we don't finish it this week. I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, But again, your questions and comments are welcome. Um, If you have something that you want me to discuss or if you have questions about uh, things we have already discussed, I certainly want to hear from you uh, about that and we can address them on the show. All right. uh, One of the first slides I always have in my presentation is know the law that governs your practice. It is common maxim familiar to, familiar to all minds that ignorance of the law will not excuse any person, either civilly or criminally. Wyoming Refining versus United States, U.S. Uh, Court of Claims, 2003. Um, everybody needs to, has to know and understand the law, and I've, we've discussed this before. One of the misconceptions, one of the uh, what I call surveyor uh, mythology or the belief system surveyors work under uh, in too many situations is that uh, surveyors are not to know and apply the law. And I've, I have taken evidence and procedures off my bookshelf over here to my left on several occasions in this show and showed you the source of that, uh, of that uh, belief system, uh, I'll call it, uh, to, uh, for lack of a better term or uh, for uh, to not use uh, stronger language um, but we'll just say that it's a belief that is not true it's part of the overall survey mythology surveyors don't aren't to know or apply the law or, or to stay away from uh, legal questions altogether 
which uh, common sense will tell you uh, doesn't uh, make any sense because the average citizen walking down uh, walking down the sidewalk in any city in the United States of America is charged with knowing what the law is, applying the law uh, to the um, to the situation at hand. Um, because ignorance of the law is no excuse. Can can anyone know all the law? No, no one can know all the law. Um, but that doesn't excuse you from knowing from knowing the law, because it's out there. It's um, uh, if if there were, if you could uh, come up with the excuse I didn't know that was against the law, then um, uh, then you would be able to get away, literally be able to get away with murder. Um, and at least the first time, um, and and not go to prison for it, or not go to jail for it, or if there be any consequences for not knowing the law, because it's written down. <clears throat> the law is written down. That's in our statutes. Uh, it is. Uh, there's administrative law that's been enacted by our regulatory agencies, and of course there is the common law, which has been uh, articulated by our courts in this country. And that's that's uh, again we've discuss this. Um, that's why uh, court cases are so important, especially for the practice of land surveying, because a, a, a lot of the law, much of the law, especially as it deals with uh, uh, boundary surveying, uh, has been determined by our courts. It's heavily infused with court decisions. There are no statutes that, um, as it, just generally speaking, there are no statutes that govern boundary surveying uh, or the reason, or how to survey property boundaries, uh, a how-to uh, sort of list. Uh, the only the only place you can get that is uh, is from court decisions. So <clears throat> we've beat that horse before. Ignorance of the law is uh, is no excuse for any person, and especially the professional service provider, whatever profession you're in, whatever profession you're in. Uh, and this applies to drivers uh, licensed to drive down uh, down our highways and our our streets and our byways and our interstates. <coughs> They're licensed to apply the law to uh, the factual scenario of driving down the road. Uh, that's um, so. Uh, licensed drivers are not have no excuse for uh, ignorance of the law. They're supposed to not only know the law, they're supposed to apply the law in their actions as they drive down the road. <clears throat> and the only reason for licensing surveyors, uh, the only reason surveying and many other professions, like the medical profession, the legal profession, uh, engineers, architects, the, the only reason for licensing these people uh, is for the protection of the public. And in the surveying context, that generally means uh, we're not performing open-heart surgery. We're not uh, defending people in a, in a criminal trial. Uh, we're not um, designing bridges. We're not uh, designing uh, high-rise uh, structures. Uh, we're dealing with people's property rights uh, and, and the context of why we're regulated. We're, we deal with people's property rights. It's for the protection of the public. Any re, any regulatory, any regulated profession is generally, the presumption is it needs to be regulated for the protection of the public. The protecting something about the public, uh, whether it be their uh, their 
um, uh, uh, mental well-being, their physical well-being, their legal well-being, um, for whatever reason. Um, uh, and one of the, uh, especially in uh, engineering and land surveying, and I would imagine, I'm not a doctor, I would imagine in the medical profession, I know in the legal profession as well, there are specialties out there. And um, one is not to practice outside of their areas of expertise, but um, and it, 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 it's that way with the engineering profession. I know there's there are specialties in the legal profession where you're not you have to have special certifications and qualifications in order to uh, practice in that area of the law. One of them would be uh, patent law. I know patent law is that way. Uh, and I also believe uh, capital punishment uh, cases. You have to. That's a specialty that you have to have experience and qualifications to practice in that area. And of course, the medical profession. It's divided up into all types of areas of uh, specialty: heart surgery, um, um, orthopedic surgeons, um, brain surgeons, um, um, dentists. Um, general practitioners uh, all kinds of specialties um, um, and, and and qualifications to practice in those specialties so um, but that's and that's one place where the serving profession has a problem because there there are specialties and it's, it's broken into two major categories one is dealing with people's property boundaries and the other is all things measurement and but the problem uh, with the surveying profession, we're going to talk about how to solve this, but the problem with the land surveying profession is that any licensed surveyor can not only uh, perform the equivalent of surveying open-heart surgery, messing around with people's property rights, uh, but that surveyor can also go out and do all of these other things uh, that have to do with measurements and how precisely you can measure and report those measurements uh, in some sort of uh, on, on some sort of a map or or plat or in a report or um, uh, however that data is going to be reported uh, back to the uh, back to the end user. So in, in land surveying, there aren't that many areas. There's just two. Um, there is dealing with people's property rights, and then there's everything else that has to do with measurement, gathering gathering uh, measurement data uh, and then reporting that data in, in some way. It could be gathering uh, or, you know, construction, maybe construction layout. Let's just say that that's a third area uh, where you're actually, the, the task is to uh, put the positions as precisely as possible on the ground so that uh, <clears throat> infrastructure can be uh, in, can uh, can be constructed, uh, subdivisions, uh, malls, uh, streets, highways, interstates, bridges, uh, all of that. Um, so that's that's pretty, and that's enough on that. We're going to move ahead. Um, let's move up here because the biggest thing I think. And another problem with the land surveying profession is uh, there's a lot of surveyors that just uh, they don't have a basic written contract. And this is basic. Uh, uh, this this has to do with uh, better business practices. Okay, 
a lot of surveyors out there, uh, especially ones who are operating uh, with uh, uh, on small projects, uh, maybe uh, what is termed uh, mortgage surveys in some parts of the country, uh, or there may be uh, some other name uh, for that type of survey, but basically residential survey. These small project residential surveys a lot of time are conducted with an oral contract. Um, every time there's a meeting of the mind, there's a contract. So there's a difference between a written contract and an oral contract, obviously. But um, uh, so the surveyors, if you if you if you if um, you take a phone call uh, from a property owner, a landowner, a, a, a homeowner. And uh, the homeowner asks you, can you survey? You say yes, and they say how much, and you tell them how much, and then they say when, and you say when. You've got a contract. You've got a contract, okay, it, oral as it may be, but you have a contract. Now, what I'm talking about, though, is working without a written contract, which is, is problematic for, uh, for a number of reasons that we'll, we'll get into uh, here in just a little bit. But... Uh, the biggest, uh, at least in my mind, the biggest problem with not, ha- not having a written contract is the whole meeting of the minds uh, issue, uh, is miscommunication, um, uh, missed expectations, or the client is expecting one thing and the surveyor is expected to do something else. Uh, so miscommunication, which then leads to problems. That this is the source uh, of the problem. Uh, Lawler versus Hare. Mrs. Hare wasn't expecting the bill to be $5,000, but they, they were working off an oral contract and there was no, no discussion about money. So uh, when she got the $5,000 bill, uh, she was only expecting her 40 acres to be surveyed for somewhere around $1,000. Uh, she balked at it, and they they ended up in court. They ended up uh, uh, Waller, who was the surveyor in that case, uh, ended up spending uh, on a five thousand dollar invoice. Probably he, he he went all the way to the appellate courts here, in the state of Alabama, uh, and uh, he probably in the, in nineteen nineties he probably spent somewhere in the neighborhood of lower lower end maybe ten, higher end maybe twenty five thousand dollars chasing after a $5,000 invoice, um, uh, that doesn't make too much sense. Um, so, anyway, uh, we, uh, we've got a break com- <clears throat> coming up here, and we are talking about better business practices in the law. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio, and I'm your host, Jeff Lucas, and we'll be back uh, here in just a couple minutes. And want to invite everybody that this is a beautiful day in the southeast and a great day to order your quick steaks from Parker Davis. So get out your pencil and uh, or get out a pen and write on your hand. I don't care. Uh, 1-800-438-0387. Call Parker Davis and order those quick steaks or those great markers. They The markers everybody loves. We'll be back in just a moment after... We uh, have another official break from Parker Davis. We'll be back right after this. 
Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e.com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today you're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening Okay, folks, welcome back. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas, and we are talking about surveying and all things survey, uh, all things surveying and surveyors. Uh, today, however, we're uh, we are uh, we're, we're 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 starting to turn the discussion towards um, solving some of the problems face, uh, facing the land surveying profession, and so we're starting today with. Uh, Better business practices in the law. It's a. Uh, it's this is discussion is based on a, a seminar that I, I put on uh, occasionally when it's asked for. Uh, so we're going to go through and then uh, look at some things that would help improve the performance of land surveyors and more success in land surveying. And we were just uh, right before the break. We started talking about contracts. Have a written contract. Um, and this is one of the problems with. Um, I think with some of the bad practice out there uh, in the surveying community is uh, without a written contract that sort of lays out what you're going to do, what the expectations are, um, your written contract needs to have um, uh, a termination uh, clause in it, a contingency clause in it, uh, an opportunity to renegotiate the fees uh, with a contingency clause. And, and these are things that, w- without a written contract, you just don't have. You, you just don't have these understandings going in. With a written contract, you can have these understandings going in. Uh, one of the things in in my experience, and uh, in my experience as a land surveyor, uh, when I first started out uh, and got into business for myself uh, as a as a, a small time uh, surveying company. Um, the idea of firing a client was just foreign to me. I, I, I did. I was, I was in the business for finding as many clients as I could get. There was the idea that I would want to fire a client was uh, totally foreign to me. Um, but when I uh, when I um, became an attorney um, years later, um, and uh, I attended one of these uh, after I passed the bar, I attended one of these. Uh, it was called Bridging the Gap here in the state of Alabama. It was a two-day uh, seminar on uh, all kinds of, uh, there were like 12 different areas of the law uh, where they brought in speakers to talk about these different areas of the law to give uh, these newly minted uh, attorneys uh, with, a, with a law license uh, some kind of uh, idea or direction uh, to go in. So there were all kinds of uh, different uh, aspects of the law, divorce law or family law, uh, criminal law, um, uh, uh, transactional law. I mean, you, you name it, uh, the different kinds of law uh, of practices or, or practice areas of the law that were out there were discussed. 
in uh, one-hour segments. But one of the things that you, you took away from that was they uh, <clears throat> they gave you uh, they gave us uh, a CD. And if everybody remembers what a CD is, they gave us a CD with uh, um, the course materials and then a lot of other things, forms. The practice of the law is, is largely uh, filling out forms or, or preparing documents. And one of the things they gave us was a little, uh, a little, almost one page. I'm not sure it was one page, but it was a letter of engagement. And I was really kind of shocked at how simple... Uh, the letter of engagement was compared to uh, up until then. I had I had worked for some uh, I had worked for some small mom and pop shops, and I had also worked for some large engineering and surveying firms, which had very complicated uh, contracts with terms and conditions pages long and uh, <clears throat> very complicated. That's because the lawyers prepare those documents for the engineers and surveyors. But when it comes down to the uh, lawyers preparing the documents for their own work, uh, I was almost shocked at how uh, at how simple the contract was. But one of the things that struck that stuck out uh, uh, when I was looking at that uh, letter of engagement <coughs> was uh, not only how simple it was, but uh, also the termination clause. And I found out pretty quick uh, why it is that uh, attorneys uh, have a termination clause. I mean, it's, it's wise for anybody, and I'm sure there's termination clauses in other contracts. It just it never stuck out to me uh, um, before, or the, the idea of wanting to terminate was never really forefront in my mind. But it did quickly become that way when I started practicing some law and got in and uh, had a few clients and realized that. Um, there's, there will come a time when you may want to terminate your relationship with your client and be able to get out of the, get out of the whole relationship clean, uh, and not, um, and not have any lingering obligations. So, um, the surveyors need some, uh, all professional practitioners do, but the, on a, in a simple one, one page, and uh, I've, I have created a one-page uh, letter of engagement, a one-page contract uh, that's simple to use. Um, it's uh, suggestions. Uh, I'm not your attorney, uh, uh, and this is not uh, the offer of legal practice, but uh, if you would like to see, um, if you would like to see, I just lost the studio, but... Uh, if you would like to see a sample uh, one-page contract, you can go to my website at um, www.lucasandcompany.com. Go to the Resources tab, look under Contracts, and I have a simple one-page contract there. So the termination clause, uh, <clears throat> if, if this is one of the reasons I think uh, surveyors um, uh, may be um, um, end up making... Uh, rash decisions. I want to, don't want to call them rash decisions, but making decisions that don't make any sense, or, slim, or simply uh, driving an iron in the ground uh, on, on, uh, at the location. The math tells them to drive the iron in the ground because they don't have another solution. They don't have time to work on that project or give that project uh, the proper uh, amount of time that it needs, just because. They're working under an oral contract to do the survey for whatever the figure is, you know, $250, $500, $1,000. It doesn't matter. 
Um, and then they run into problems and difficulties, and they only have a thousand dollars to work on this project with. They've already spent that. They can't spend any more time on it, and they feel the need to finish the survey in some way, shape, or form. So they're driving iron in the ground, and um, maybe not um, where that iron should be, or certainly not where the property lines have become established on the ground. So what they're doing is they're um, they're cutting, basically cutting corners, cutting corners because they're out of money, cutting corners because they're out of out of budget, out of time, out of budget. Uh, and they just uh, feel the need to be, be forced to complete the project because they said they were going to complete the project. But with a written contract, these terms, these uh, issues can be worked out. Um, uh, these these issues can be worked out um, where um, if you do run into a situation like that, that's, that's your contingency clause. Well, we weren't expecting to have to do all of this work for what appeared to be a very simple project. And so uh, we bring it. We, we're going to use our contingency clause. We're going to stop work, and then uh, we're going to renegotiate a new fee with the client. Or the client's going to say, "We don't. We don't want you to. Uh, you know, that's way too much money. We weren't expecting to pay that much money." And then your termination clause kicks in, where uh, it says something to the effect: "If, um, if for whatever reason we uh, terminate this contract, uh, either the client does or or, or the." service provider does. Hey Brett, I've lost we, his picture. Then uh, we, the service provider, um, um, can uh, recuperate um, uh, or get paid for the work done today. Now, does that mean you're going to get you're going to get paid? Uh, no, but without a written contract. Uh, the uh, you're guaranteed not to be paid. If you <clears throat> have a thousand dollar project and you've spent ninety percent of the budget, and you go back to the the client and say, you know what, we need another five hundred dollars to finish this, or, or maybe another thousand, or maybe two or three thousand dollars to finish the project, and the client says no, um, and then you say, well, I can't, you know, I, I'm cutting my losses. I can't go. Uh, I can't do this project. Um, then you're going to be out uh, the $900 spent, um, guaranteed. But at least if you have a contract with uh, a termination clause, uh, as discussed, then uh, you have something. You have you have something. You don't. You, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be uh, paid your $900, but uh, you're guaranteed not to be paid uh, without a contract. So. Uh, miscommunication, one of the major reasons for having a written contract. Uh, and of course, um, there, there are oral contracts, there are written contracts, there are contracts under, uh, under seal, uh, in some states. Uh, that's a formality that goes back to the days of the, the signet ring and, and hot wax and, you know, sealing the contract. Um, what are the reasons for having a contract? Well, you can limit your liability. Uh, you're, you, uh, as the practitioner, you can limit your liability. You can protect uh, personal assets. Um, the company can be the one held uh, held liable, um, and um, instead of you personally, uh, litigation fees and expenses. Uh, the only there's only three ways to get your litigation fees back uh, if you go into litigation. Um, and that is, um, you have to, one of them is, one of the major ones is, you have to have a written contract that says 
if you do uh, if you do get into a problem uh, uh, and you have to go to court, then uh, you can get your litigation fees back. In in the United States of America, in American jurisprudence, you don't necessarily you don't uh, just it's not a winner take all situation. You don't. Um, uh, it's it's everybody pays their own freight if they go to if you go to court. So you aren't guaranteed that you, even if you win, you're not uh, you're not uh, you're not necessarily getting your money back uh, even if you win. Uh, it's called the American system. But there are three ways. There are three ways you can get your money back uh, in the if you're in litigation in the United States of America, and we will discuss those three ways when we. Uh, get back from our break. We've got a break coming up here. This is uh, the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio, and we will be back uh, in just a few minutes. Quick States. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick States? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick States. Did you know that Quick States are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back friendly stake. Absolutely, your back friendly stake. And uh, want you to uh, go to Quick Stakes. If nothing else, go to their website, Quick Stake. That's Q U I K S T A K E dot com. And take a look at them. And they're so easy to use and so easy to write on. You won't be going through a felt-tip pen every time you turn around uh, that the wooden stakes will eat up in a minute. And it's a great day to order. If you've got your paper ready there and a pencil, 1-800-438-0387. And while I've got the microphone, I'm going to um, tell folks that if you want... You want, uh, well, you need to have a box of Kleenex with you, as a matter of fact. Go to America's Web Radio and Programs and scroll down to A Veterans Hour with Pete Mecca. And uh, his Veteran Day show will bring tears to your eyes. Even an old, mean soldier like myself, uh, I got watery eyes when I listen to it. And uh, you will, too. It's a great show, and um, you've got to listen to it. Plus, we've got a lot of other great shows on America's Web Radio, and we're very proud of them. And uh, hope you'll tune in. We've got the Doctor's Hours. We've got, obviously, uh, Surveyor's Hour. And, Surveyors, I hope you realize how important you are to America's Web Radio. We dedicate an hour a week to you, and Jeff dedicates his time to you. And we all appreciate what surveying has done for the United States for the last 250 years. And uh, America's Web Radio salutes you and thanks you. With that being said, let's get back to something a lot more interesting than me, Jeff Lucas. And here you go, Jeff. All right. Thanks, uh, David. Appreciate that. Okay, uh, right before the break, uh, we've gotten, uh, we got into the discussion of contracts. And uh, one of the reasons, one of the... Uh, Two primary reasons for having a contract. One is uh, eliminating some miscommunication between the professional service provider and the and the client, <laughs> and another is uh, without a written contract. You if if you get into a lawsuit, if you try to uh, Lawler versus Harry, if you try to sue 
your client um, for non-payment of an invoice unless you have a written contract that stipulates that uh, where the parties agreed that if you go into a lawsuit, <coughs> the winner will get their uh, attorney's fees and re- uh, reasonable attorney's Usually it uh, says something to the effect, reasonable attorney's fees and, uh, and cost back. Um, then you, you will not be able to unless you have a contract to that effect. And Lawler was working for uh, Hare, Miss, Mrs. Hare, and he had an oral contract, and uh, an oral contract won't do it. You have to. There has to be a written document that shows that you both agreed uh, that you could get your litigation uh, fees back uh, if uh, your services uh, that were rendered somehow end up going to court uh, and there's litigation. So that's one way. And that's an important thing. Without a written contract, uh, if you end up in a lawsuit with your client, uh, you won't be able to get your uh, your fees back. Uh, there's only two other ways in the United States of America. It's called the American uh, system, uh, or at least I've seen it referred to as the American system. Everybody pays their own weight. Everybody pays their own freight. Um, and the reason for that, to be cynical, the reason for that is... If not, then some attorney isn't going to get paid, and so we can't have that. And the attorneys have a very strong lobby in Washington and states across the country. And so uh, that's when when they're talking about tort reform. That's what they're talking about. Primarily, that's what they're talking about right there: tort reform. Um, in Europe, I don't know the European system, and I'm not uh, very well. I just know the the basics. And I'm not saying we need to be like Europe, but in Europe, they don't have as many as much litigation because it's a winner-take-all situation. Uh, if you win, uh, you get your money back. If you lose, you pay. And so you could just imagine uh, the change that would the the sea change uh, in litigation in the United States of America if that were to change uh, more towards a winner-take-all. Uh, system as opposed to uh, everybody pays their own way. Um, and um, but, but one of the reasons why everybody pays their own way is still very profitable is because in many in many situations, especially personal injury cases, there's there's is a there is ultimately an insurance company that's going to pay the litigation fees. It's going to pay the litigation fees. So, so everybody's going to get paid, and that's why these attorneys, these uh, personal injury attorneys, will take these cases on contingency basis because they know that it, once they once they look at your case, and once they uh, they um, um, uh, determine if they if they're going to be able to you know get the uh, insurance company to pay something, then they'll take on your case, and you don't pay anything. Unless you uh, receive an award, and then it's going to be you're going to you're going to get the award less you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 percent. Depends on what deal you make with your attorney. Uh, so everybody pays their own freight. So you, you can, if you have a contract, you can get your fees back. Um, if there's a statute somewhere that says you can get your fees back, you can get your fees back. But there has to be a statute. There has to be a law out there somewhere that says, in this type of litigation, you can get your fees back. Now, one of the most common uh, places where that occurs is uh, with uh, court rules and, and sanctions. Uh, 
um, especially sanctions uh, surrounding, uh, let's say, fr- frivolous litigation. So there's been a, a frivolous lawsuit thrown your way. <clears throat> there's uh, uh, or uh, other types of sanctions. Doesn't, sanctions doesn't have to be uh, a frivolous lawsuit, but a frivolous lawsuit is one that comes to mind. So you have a frivolous lawsuit. You got a statute out there that says you can't follow a frivolous lawsuit. You got court rules that say you can't follow rule eleven. You can't follow a frivolous lawsuit, and you're certifying that it's not frivolous. Um, and there's sanctions if it is. So. Um, there's these safe harbor clauses in some statutes and some jurisdictions that basically say this. If, if one side files a frivolous lawsuit, and this has actually happened to me uh, down in Florida. They filed a frivolous lawsuit uh, against me. Uh, the, uh, the plaintiff did. Uh, I was involved in surveying a property, um, a boundary dispute case down in Florida. But uh, I was brought in after the case was already in court. Uh, as an expert, and my side asked me to survey the property, and, and I did. So we were under court supervision the entire time. And um, But um, in Florida, uh, and in most other jurisdictions, I, I would venture to say all other jurisdictions, there's a litigation privilege for uh, judges, attorneys, the parties, and where it gets a little bit dicey as you get out there is, does it apply to witnesses and does it apply to expert witnesses? Generally speaking, it does. Uh, so there's this limited privilege uh, to basically, as a, as a witness, certainly as the judge, the judge has the privilege, the attorneys have the privilege, um, the parties are privileged, and generally speaking, the witnesses, expert witnesses and lay witnesses are privileged to come in and say just about whatever they want to. They, they're free to say whatever they want to, even if it's some slanderous accusation that they can't substantiate it. Um, really the only, um, the only, with the litigation privilege in place, the only liability for uh, testifying as a witness would be if you perjure yourself. But how are they going to prove perjury, especially for an expert witness? If one expert witness comes in and says uh, it, it was white, what is the other expert witness going to say? It's black. Is one of them lying? No. They're just, these are opinions. They're not necessarily lying. They aren't perjuring themselves. You can perjure yourself, but, you know, that's, it would appear to me, especially for an expert witness, where your testimony is opinion-based, it would appear to me it would be very difficult to prove perjury of an expert witness. Uh, but nevertheless, um, so there was, a, there was a, a litigation privilege in Florida uh, that applies to uh, any testimony given uh, in, in court uh, about um, about the situation the, the situation with the boundary dispute case, and I did a survey which showed a different boundary than what the plaintiff was claiming. And after the, he won, the plaintiff won the case. He turned around and sued uh, sued for negligence and and other things. Sued the the defendants, sued the attorney, and sued me. Now the litigation privilege was was well in, in place in in, uh, in case law and this was a totally frivolous lawsuit this was a totally frivolous lawsuit and so uh, what the uh, statute of Florida basically said was uh, 
if there's a lawsuit, then uh, you, you have to. The opposing side has to uh, give um, give the the plaintiff who filed the frivolous lawsuit uh, an opportunity to take it back. It's called a safe harbor clause, an opportunity twenty one days or something like that to to take the lawsuit back, or else be subject to sanctions. Or else be subject to sanctions. I was also involved in a case in Idaho. Same basic, same basic setup. Subject to sanctions, and then they didn't. Uh, they didn't pull the. Law, they didn't pull the lawsuit back. They didn't dismiss voluntarily. Dismiss and uh, and lost the case. At least in Idaho, they did. And down in Florida, they dismissed the case. We dismissed with prejudice, and I was out of the case. But in Idaho, they didn't dismiss, and they took their case forward and. They uh, <clears throat> they lost uh, badly. It was it was a frivolous lawsuit, and in that case, the defendant uh, the, because it was a statute there, the defendant got uh, got um, got his money back. So, and then the final way you can get your money back uh, in litigation in the United States of America. This is not universal, but it is um, it's out there. It's apparently widespread. I've read about it in court cases, and the judges have said on many occasions uh, the general rule is if Party A has to come in and defend herself because of the actions of Parties B and C, then if Party A wins, Party A can get uh, her uh, litigation expenses back. And so the boundary scenario is Party A is the next door neighbor party b is your client and your party c mr surveyor and you go out there and you muck it up and you uh slander party a's title by putting a, a, a new line in the ground where it has never existed before and party a is now uh, obligated uh to defend uh to defend her title to defend uh the castle so to speak <clears throat> and she sues Party B, your client, and you, Party C, or even if she doesn't sue you, Party B can turn around your client and sue you if part if your client loses this case. But uh, in, in such a scenario, um, it's a court-made rule. Uh, then uh, you, Party A, if she wins, will can get her litigation fees back. I've seen it in many, many cases. I've seen it in many, many jurisdictions can't tell you how widespread that is, um, but uh, it's been referred to as um, well, you know, the, common, the common rule yeah, is Party yeah. uh, A will be able to get her fees back. So uh, there's only three ways okay. to get uh, your, your okay. money back. Friday, uh, we had to leave you, you either have to have a contract, uh, there has to be a statute somewhere that says you can get it back, or there has to be this court-made rule. Um, Saturday that, um, morning I came in. That will allow freezer. you to get your fees back. Couldn't get the heat to come. Okay. Uh, moving forward now, uh, we're just going to hit some contract basics. Uh, it's not looking like we're going to finish this uh, this up uh, this this time around. Uh, this this discussion. Uh, this may go into next week. We'll see. But uh, all right, contract essentials. This is put the essentials of a contract out there. The, the bare minimum, and I'm talking about written contracts. The bare minimum necessary to have a valid written contract. Offer and acceptance. That offer and acceptance will identify the parties. A legal purpose. 
surveying services are legal purpose. Should be a temperature in the uh, subject matter. There has to be subject matter. So that's generally for the uh, professional surveyor. That's the scope of services that would be identified in a in a one page or two page letter of agreement. Consideration. There has to be consideration, whether you don't have a contract. Uh, that that would be a difference between a, uh, a technical difference between a contract and a deed. In many jurisdictions, consideration is not necessary to convey land. Uh, legal capacity. Uh, the parties have to be of legal age, uh, no longer minors, uh, of majority, as they say. Uh, most states, that's 18 years or older. And then uh, there, there has to be an execution of the contract. Uh, all of these are required elements of a valid written contract. And if we're talking about professional services uh, agreements, uh, there would be some other things, some optional elements that we would want on this contract. Uh, and those would be project identification. We'd want to identify the standard of care that the practitioner is going to be operating under. We want to identify what the deliverables deliverables are going to be. We want to say something about schedule. Uh, we also want to address payment terms. We want applicable law. That's in case we have to get in a lawsuit. We, I'm working on a survey in Georgia, but I'm in Alabama. I don't want I don't want uh, Alabama law, uh, Georgia law, to be the applicable law. I'll have in my service agreement uh, that Alabama will be the applicable law so that I don't have to travel to Georgia to uh, uh, to uh, get involved in a lawsuit if I have to. Attorney's fees, so then we're talking about our costs. We we'll want to address attorney's fees. We want a contingency clause. If uh, we give uh, some proposal, contract proposal, uh, out to the client, and uh, we woefully underestimated what uh, what was going to be involved because of unusual conditions, uh, then we want to be able to uh, stop uh, and reassess the situation with the client. And you need to address additional services uh, um, in, 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 in such a contingency, how the additional services will be dealt with. There, the uh, the uh, offer, you need an expiration date on this offer. Uh, you don't want an uh, offer just hanging out there. You need a termination clause, and we'll address a statement of warranties. All right, we're getting to the last segment here. Uh, this is uh, the Surveyor's Hour on the uh, America's Web Radio, and we'll be back uh, in just a couple of minutes. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Lucas, I'm your host of uh, the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. We've been talking about better business practices in the law, and uh, we talked about, we got into a uh, having a written contract and going over some elements of contract. Uh, which is, uh, I'm going to probably uh, wrap up here with um, a little bit more discussion about contracts. Uh, there's a case I would like to go over that is a contract case, but I'm not going to be able to do it this week. I'm not going to be able to give it any justice uh, by doing it this week. So we'll just uh, kind of wrap up our discussion of contracts here in this last segment. And... Um, then we will get to uh, next next week. If I don't have a guest, we'll go in uh, right into this case of Hunter versus Wilshire from the Supreme Court of Alabama back in 2005. It's a it's a great contracts case. It doesn't involve a surveyor. It's just it's a contract case. It's for, for buying and selling some real estate. So let's finish up here. We uh, we had our uh, mandatory or essential elements of a written contract: offer acceptance, legal purpose, subject matter. Uh, consideration, legal capacity, execution, it's, um, it's and then now. optional uh, terms that we're uh, optional issues that we're going to deal with. Right and you're going to say, well, Jeff, how can you get all this into one onto one page? Uh, we're going to do project identification, standard of care, deliverable, scheduled payment terms, applicable law, attorney's fees, contingency clauses, additional services, offer expiration date, don't want this offer just hanging out there forever, termination clause, very important, and a statement of warranties, we don't, we, we don't, as a professional service providers, we don't warrant or guarantee our work, no, no professional service provider warrants or guarantees your work, your doctor doesn't give you a warranty or a guarantee, your lawyer isn't going to give you a warranty or a guarantee, um, your, your pastor isn't going to give you a warranty or a guarantee, uh, professional service providers don't put uh, they're not putting brick and mortar down they're not they're not warranting otherwise uh, workmanship because uh, in the final analysis the stock and trade of any professional uh, and the, the big three uh, are the clergy the medical profession and the legal profession those are the big three those are the big three recognized professions but there's there's others out there land survey okay there's there's another one the stock and trade of the of a professional service provider is an opinion in the final analysis that's all you're getting from your doctor that's all you're getting from your attorney that's all you're getting from your pastor or your priest or your guru whoever you're, you're not getting any warranties. You're not getting any guarantees. You're just getting an opinion. You go to these people because they're uh, they're they're highly educated. Uh, they have experience. They have knowledge. Uh, they know the law. They know the medicine. They know uh, religion or uh, sacred texts. Um, and they they're gonna. Uh, you're going to have a discussion with them. This is why they're the big three. Uh, you're going to have a discussion with them, or you're a client, and you go in for a consultation, or you're a patient, and you go in for an examination. There's going to be examination. There's going to be discussions. There's going to be tests that are going to be run. 
uh, and then um, the professional service provider then uh, evaluates all of that evidence, evaluates those discussions, evaluates uh, uh, the the uh, factual situation against the law, against medicine, against the um, Bible, uh, and they're going to render an opinion, uh, and that's all they had. And so, uh, for a professional services contract, there should be, if nothing else, just a brief statement of warranties. There are no warranties. There are no, you can't guarantee, and I've seen this come up in, 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 in litigation, uh, under an oral contract. Okay, the surveyor guaranteed the results of the survey. Where was that written? It wasn't written anywhere. It was an oral contract. See, that's the problem with an oral contract. What were the terms and conditions of the contract? Um, and if the, if it's oral, then the plaintiffs sue in the surveyor and claim whatever they want. Well, he promised. He promised that this that he was he would he guaranteed the results of the survey. Guarantee. Um, so we want a little statement of uh, on that. Uh, and, and if you go to my website, uh, www.lucasandcompany.com, you'll be reading something very similar. And you go to the resources tab. Uh, this is a free resource. You can download it for free. Uh, you'll get my one-page contract. Uh, you're going to read something like this. So on the very first, uh, I got this on slides. So this is this all ends up being on one page. So I'm going to handle offer acceptance, project identification, and legal purpose in, in just these few uh, sentences. So my heading is February 2nd, 2020. Uh, Mr. Abraham, uh, Mr. Abram Halfacre, 1313 Mockingbird Lane, Meridian, Mississippi, 39305. Fax transmission or email transmission. So I'm telling, uh, um, uh, I, I'm identifying one of the parties, Abram Halfacre, the client. Uh, I'm showing how this uh, offer was transmitted, and then in the RE regarding uh, section, it's I'm going to have a property identification, a brief description of the property, and uh, a brief description of the services being offered. Dear Mr. Halfaker, this letter shall serve as a letter of engagement, whereby Abram Halfaker, here and referred to as client, engages Acme Surveying Company, LLC, here and after referred to a surveyor to perform a land surveying services on the above described property. The property execution of this letter will confirm acceptance and shall constitute an agreement between the client and the surveyor. All right. So when we execute it down below, we've identified the client, we've uh, and the uh, and the service provider. We are we are um, clarifying that once this is accepted, it is an agreement between the parties. We've identified the property now, subject matter, standard of care, and deliverables. The survey will provide a boundary survey of the property, which will include reestablishment of property corners and boundary lines, location of permanent improvements of the property, that is to say buildings, fences, driveways, etc., identification of encroachments, if any, determination of acreage, and preparation of a map of survey depicting the results of the survey. So that's what we're going to do. Those are the services. Six original survey maps will be provided. Why do I say six original survey maps will be provided? Because the law also recognizes formalities. And when I, when when that survey is done, and I and I have six prints sitting in front of me, and I sign and seal those prints and, and put my seal on them, 
those are the only six originals of that survey that exist. That can be reproduced, but it might have to be reproduced at a cost. There are no copies. There are no copies. Um, but in many cases, surveyors have shipped their survey out with electronic seals and signatures on them, and therefore you can make as many copies as you want. In this scenario, when I sit down and sign and seal and put wet ink in a wet seal or either in a boss seal on those on those six prints, those are original documents. There are no other original documents in existence. Um, and then if the client comes back and says, hey, we need six more copies, well, there were no copies. You have the only originals that exist on planet Earth. Those were all original documents. What did you do with them? And then you can play good cop, bad cop. You can play good cop, bad cop. If it's a good client, yeah, you're going to print them out six more. Uh, if it's a, a client that you really wanted to get rid of, you wanted to terminate before you even finished the project, then you, pay, you play bad cop. we we got to go out there and do that all over again, or there will be a significant fee because you lost the original documents. The surveyor will meet all applicable provisions of the state of Mississippi standards practice for property surveys. Here's my consideration. We're running out of time here. I'm going to try to finish up. It is acknowledged that land surveying is a professional service, not an exact science. Therefore, our fee for services is estimated to be $2,500, subject to unforeseen circumstances, unexpected difficulties. The survey will be completed within three weeks from the date of acceptance uh, and execution of this agreement. Surveyor will make every reasonable effort to meet this schedule. However, this is not a guarantee. All invoices are due and payable within 15 days of receipt. The late fee of 1.5% per month will apply. In the event of collection proceedings become necessary, Mississippi law will apply and attorney's fees and cost of collections will be reimbursed. Here's our uh, contingency clause. If unforeseen circumstances or unexpected difficulties are encountered, the client will be consulted before surveyor proceeds further. If additional services are deemed necessary, the surveyor will perform those services at the hourly rate of $150 an hour. The surveyor will only perform additional services with client's written or verbal approval. This offer will expire if not executed within 15 days. Either party may terminate this agreement with or without cause. Upon termination, surveyor will be reimbursed for services performed. This agreement contains no warranties, either expressed or implied. Person signing below certified that they have legal capacity as individuals, representatives, and or agents of the parties to this contract. And then the contract gets executed. Okay. So, uh, if you want to have a copy of that, you can go to my website. You can download it from the resources tab. Uh, you're welcome to it. It's, uh, you know, have... Uh, have your attorney look it over and make sure that it's good for you and your circumstances. Again, we're not offering legal advice here on this show, and I'm not your attorney, so uh, uh, use with caution. Okay, folks, that's all we have for this week. We'll pick back up on some contracts next week. It's uh, been good being with you. Talk to you next Monday. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.